On today's episode, Dave interviews comedian Jamie Caller. Jamie has appeared on Parenthood and starred on TBS's My Boys. I'm Ian Foley, and this is ADD Comedy. The theme is, you know, because I was looking at, I was looking at everything that you've got online, or a lot of things you have online, and what I like about what you you had there is the journey. It's about your fucking journey. I have a long journey. Yeah, and we just start, by the way, so there's no, like, like right now we've already started. But you have a long journey, and I was looking at that, and it's really just about the journey. Okay. Uh, I don't care, like, what's your motivation, or how does it feel to work with Merpeter? I don't fucking care about that. Um, I had somebody yesterday ask me about, uh, that's the uh, coffee maker. <laughs> I had somebody yesterday say, hey, there's this teacher that I think would really be great for your podcast. And I've heard this guy was such a fucking douchebag, and I felt like I wanted to have nothing to do with this guy. I'm not going to say his name, but... Uh, and then I said, well, describe him, because I think that he's kind of a harsh guy. And he went, yeah, he can be harsh, and da 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 It's like, then I, want, I don't want him here. That's fine. Because it's, it's, really, it's really just about... It's not about the yes and of, of the work that we do, but it's about the, the positiveness and the journey and you not fighting your journey and the fact that you've accepted what it is that you're doing. And that's not to say you've accepted failure, but you've said yes to every step of the way. Do you think that's true? I do, actually, yeah. It's funny because I didn't, I didn't start this in high school when like, some of these guys no. were like five, six years old. I went, lived a normal life, and then I was a Navy uh, northwest, lieutenant. Uh, northeast, right? Uh, Out of New Hampshire. New Hampshire, Went right. to school, Boston, for with a poli-sci degree. I was right. going to be a lawyer. Mm-hmm. I went to college with the ROTC scholarship, so I had to serve after. And so f- after that... You were I, a lieutenant in the... Navy. Navy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You were in the Navy. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah, it did me good. It got me out of New Hampshire, I think, because otherwise I just really... I really wanted to go to UNH, play soccer, and smoke dope. That's really... <laughs> That's what you want to do. That's pretty much all I wanted to do, you know? And at the time, I didn't even really smoke dope in high school. I never, I never smoked dope, but it just seemed like something that I was like, one day I'm going to, this is what I want to do. It's good to have goals. And then I'll stay in New Hampshire or whatever. But the Navy got me out of there. And so I took this scholarship and I went to, because my father basically said, you, uh, we're not paying for school. Which makes me laugh because all my friends now, I got to say for kids, like grammar school is like $20,000 a year. My father... I was public school the whole way, and then at college, he was like, yeah, we don't have any money. I don't know what to tell you. My folks didn't pay for my school. I never even thought about them paying for my I school. I never did either, and it's really funny because it, now it's like my friends are, have two kids in grammar school, and it's $20,000 a piece because Fuck. you couldn't possibly send them to public school because they'd be with a bunch of Hispanic kids, and bad things would happen. They'd never, right? Is, That's is like that the LA reason? Is, but I, is no, that the reasoning? Right. No, when people right. say that public schools are terrible around here, I'm like, no, your kid's terrible. <laughs> you know, it's like, because let's face it, some kids have come out of, you know, horrible environments and done pretty well for themselves. I would say so. so. A lot of people that we know. A lot of people we know. Absolutely. Right. Mm-hmm. So for me, it was great. And then, so I ended up going there and I was going to go to law school after the Navy and I get out to San Diego and I was always a smart ass. Was San Diego a Navy place? That, Navy town. Yeah. So you, that's why you went to San Diego. I why, said, I don't you, care what ship you want uh-huh. to put me on. I'll do anything. Just How long were you on the, in the Navy ship? The Five Navy years. Ship. The you Navy can, ship. You can either pick your ship or your uh-huh. post. I tried to fly. I was the uh-huh. year after Top Gun came out. Yeah. And I was going to fly, but uh, it was so tough at that time because everybody wanted to fly. Right. And so my one of my eyes was off just a little bit, and they were like, nope, you're out. Wow, that's so... Like, like even that little amount right there. Like 2025, one of my eyes was 2025. Were you devastated? No. 
See why? Because the more I got into it, and I realized it into wasn't into what. The more you got it, into it. The more I got into the Navy uh -huh. and was around all the guys, I realized, oh, this isn't a bunch of dudes with their shirts off playing volleyball going out with Kelly McGillis. <laughs> this is very, you know, prim and proper, strict. And I wasn't, you know, I did great in it, but it wasn't. The problem with the Navy is the you. The more time you're in, the more people you control. It's not so much merit as mm -hmm. it is time in. So right. some guy who's been in two years before you, you have to salute and call sir, even though he doesn't have his shit together mm -hmm. at all. Where you're like, you're an, you're an idiot. Right. And a lot of enlisted guys were amazing people, but because a guy has a degree, he becomes an officer. That's right. it. That's the only differentiating point. And, and that was why, how you became an officer? Yeah, by going to school and uh -huh. graduating from college. With a college degree, you go in as an officer. Right. And so people salute you and you don't clean the latrine or right. the head or whatever. And uh -huh. it, but I had friends who, well, we all had friends who went to college who shouldn't be leading people. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just because you graduated with a four-year degree, you shouldn't, you should not, you're barely in charge of yourself at this point. And so these guys would get in there and they'd have to speak in front of like a giant group of guys. And right. you know, they're bookworms who were smart guys in certain vein, but not like great people skills or life skills or whatever. Mm -hmm. so it, Did you always have great people skills or life skills? Because I, I mean, I don't know you well, but I do like any, any, any interaction that we've had, there's an openness that you have. And there's a, 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 a I don't know if it's, but there's an openness that a lot, not a lot of stand-ups have. It's a degree, the degree, the quality. Yeah that you have of it. It's I've learned to edit a little bit, but I've always worn my heart on my sleeve. I think it's because I'm a redhead too. You know, mm -hmm. I got picked on as a kid, so I the, the fight was, instead of fighting, it was a sense of humor. Right. I think redheads have it a lot. We're sharp-tongued. Yeah, sharp-tongued and kind of, we would evade with, with a word or two. So I was always right. kind of a smart ass. Mm -hmm. and, um, so you went to San Diego. Yeah, so I got, I got out of college and I went to San Diego and I did five years and I almost stayed in. I was gonna stay in, but I had this one captain on my last ship who did not show me the fun side of the Navy. Uh -huh. Beat you up. It was like, you know how it is. It goes, the ship goes as the captain goes. Mm -hmm. I was on a cruise once with a captain who was fun-loving. He was like, fought to get us into port. As soon as we got to port, he's like, hey, it's party time, boys. Right. Let's go golfing. One time they sent me off, a, they put me on a helicopter off the ship to send me personally two days early to set up the parties before we get to town. <laughs> that was the best job. They airlifted me up into a helicopter. <laughs> sent me ahead, I went into town and set up all this parties. What town? Uh, in the Philippines, in Manila, uh -huh. and, uh -huh. uh, along the Pomo stuff. And uh, yeah, and then the next captain I had was like, let's clean, more cleaning. And you're like, hey, I gotta get out of here. This right. isn't for me. Right. And so I got out and I had like three months pay Reserve. I hadn't taken any vacation time, so I had like three months off. So I, I lived on the beach and played volleyball, right. hung out with my friends, and uh, I ended up getting a bartending job. And in I San just Diego. Bartend. Yeah, I was still going to go to law school at that point, but I was starting to dabble with. Either, my friend was in a theater group, and I was mm -hmm. like, I should do. You know, I, it was always in there. I always kind of was. I think everybody stuff. really had, yeah. like like so many people who are doing what it is that we're doing right now yeah. always had that feeling. Like you know what, I can pretend to do something I can else. Do it. it seems easy, right? I can pretend to like want it because for me it was photojournalism. I can pretend to be a photo want to be a photojournalist, but the eight years prior to right. the eight years that I put in being do, doing theater and then going, I'm gonna be a photo fucking. Right. You're gonna scram it in there and to go. No one. One day I remember thinking, no, no, it's not gonna happen. I'm not going to, I don't want to do that. You have to love the work of that craft. Right. And the funny thing is now that I do this for a living, I love the craft of this more than I like the jobs I do. 
the like, craft of it being putting the getting out and, and and you know instead of the actual day of work when you work on a show where right. it's like you know you have the moments of craft over the day but for the most part it's a business it's like everything's got to be set up and and do what you're supposed to do but the real fun is the stage stuff or right. even like a class where you just get up and you feel that you can do whatever you want because you're really pushing your craft right that's what kind of and so as soon as i discovered that I was like, uh, and I was almost 30, I was 29, and I was like, ugh, I'm going to do this forever. And all my friends were like, how many years are you going to give it? And I go, honestly, I, I don't care. I want to do this. Even if I end up being the bartender at the airport right. when I'm 60 right. and still doing this, this is the thrill of it. What's this? When you say this, what is this, this that you're talking this about? This craft that we do. Like, I, I do stand-up right. a lot, right. and I did sketch at Acme, and I've done a right. million improv shows and everything. So you're just saying that the, the, yeah. the, the, um, all that, the umbrella of this, of all that stuff that you're doing. Acting. <clears throat> I right. hate to say just the word acting because, you know, it's like acting is one thing. Like, this morning I did a voiceover job. Right. Unbelievably fun. Right. Wow, dude, Are you still doing Robot show. Chicken? Are you still doing I that? I haven't done one in a while, uh-huh. but I think they're still up and running. But my character kind of uh, reached his end, I think. Right, right. But I had done a bunch, yeah, and that was uh-huh. great. That was kind of my first foray, really, into, stand- into voiceover stuff. It's a fucking stuff. great thing to do. And everybody's just having such a fucking great time. Yeah, I don't, you don't have to shave or anything. No, you don't. <laughs> you don't. But you have to for, for this show, so I should tell you if you do I this know, again, I'll really like for you to shave. But the idea of doing, doing, doing... So... What, you're not just doing stand-up. You're doing stand-up, you're acting, you're taking classes, you're doing all those things. All of it. Right. Yeah, I'll do a play, I've done a music. It's like, it's so, the great thing about this job is that you're never doing the same thing over and over. I think that's why we got in it. We liked going to camp. Right, right. Like every job is like going to camp. Yeah, as a kid, you always go to camp. Did you go to overnight camp? Sleepover camp? Bare, once, because my parents had no money. They were like, I begged to go to baseball. I wanted to go to Ted Williams baseball camp so badly. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And they finally saved up and sent me. Uh-huh. Like one summer. But there's no girls at Ted Williams baseball camp. I was too young. <laughs> I was still shy in high school. I barely shaved in high school. I was a late bloomer. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So it wasn't until like junior year that I discovered women. Really. I loved overnight camp for that reason. I even went to day camp for that reason. Like, like, like are you kidding me? Are you fucking kidding? <laughs> girls? Girl, I can't. I still How old were you when you went to the, this camp? I was, I was 10. You were already digging Oh, fuck chicks? yeah. I remember. I, I remember. I remember going to one camp, and I remember this girl that was taller than me. And I was look, looking at her thinking, what the fuck? She's Even tall. at 10? At 10. I clearly remember that You had that like moment. a full chest of hair. You were raring to go at I 10. Was, right? I was driving. Uh, I had a gun. Um, no, I, you know. <laughs> I was driving. I had a gun. That sentence, though, is it? That sentence, yeah, I don't know about that sentence. But um, You were in Texas, obviously. I was, <laughs> uh, but, but the idea of, like, always knowing what it is that I wanted to do and always opening my, and, and those experiences, like the experience of going to camp, going to overnight camp, what you're you saying is really true. You started this early. Like, you knew you wanted to act. I knew when I and, was But where nine. did you grow up? Chicago. And in the city. So you, did yeah. you do theater as a kid? Yes. I did theater as a kid. See, I'm from New Hampshire. My, they didn't know this was a job. Right. Like, I do a joke because my father, like he, when I finally told him I was going to get out of the Navy and become an actor, he was like, I had, had no comprehension of it. No. He thought John Wayne fought in every war throughout history. <laughs> he had no idea that these people were actors, right. and that was a really good... William Holden was a cool guy. Yeah, yeah, He didn't yeah. know that. He's like, oh, no, that guy's on Sunset Boulevard. It's not. Right, no, he drowned in the pool. No, yeah, he, he no he's alive. No, he's okay. I'm pretty sure he's okay. He no, he's okay. Like, we, he never took me to a... We never went to theater. I, my dad and I never went to a movie. 
Because he couldn't go two hours without smoking a cigarette. So right. he couldn't sit in a did movie theater. He, is he still alive or no? No, no, he's passed. Of, of I'm cancer? the youngest of six. Like, where? My mom's like 89. We're, uh-huh. They're old, old. Catholic. Yeah, Irish Catholic. Irish Catholic. As many kids as you could. Fucking Irish Catholic, man. I just, I've said it before Hockley, on the show. Yeah. But I grew up in Chicago, which is all, you know, a lot of Irish Catholics in Chicago. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So many. I got Jim O'Hare coming by in the afternoon. Chicago guy, you know, uh, O'Hare. Like, oh, he's Catholic. You know. Well, do you think he walked around the city like O'Hare? Because it's O'Hare Airport, right? Yeah, it's spelled and he's like, but he, all he has You to know he like used that. Yeah, this is my airport, you guys. It's Every, like my family. It's not my, it's my yeah, dad's. But we have money. Like, he definitely played that up. <laughs> I'll ask him. I'll ask him. Because every time I go to New York, I just use the name LaGuardia. Not a bad and, idea. Uh, it doesn't <laughs> come off idea. as well. My problem is I go to Dallas-Fort Worth, and I'm like, Mr. Dallas-Fort it's Worth. It's not. It's not the same. It's not good. No, it's not the same. It's not good at all. No, it doesn't work. Not good at all. But growing up in Chicago, like, like, all those overnight camps, going out, going, hanging out with Irish Catholics, which taught me, because, you know, I grew up Jewish, and I, grew, and I didn't know any of those people, but the fucking Irish Catholics that I knew really made, hardened me, because I, I got into so many fistfights with, with y'all. Which is funny, because I'm not a fighter at all. Well, it's in Chicago, it's different than, I think, being out there, or maybe it's not, I don't know. No, it's not. I just was a coward. I didn't like getting hit. No. Just, even if you win a fight, you're going to take a punch, and I don't like getting punched. I can't imagine anybody going into a punch a fight thinking I'm going to I'm going to take a punch. I'm going to why do you want to do that? You're going to you're even if he, you kill this guy, he's going to kind of hit you. He's not going to let you kill him. Just kill him. No, he's not going to go come swing. kill me. Guys love it though, man. They still love it. And I was a coward. I <clears throat> I turned and ran. I remember there was a bully in high school, and it was a traumatic part of my life where my mother, I think, finally went down to the school and said, "Hey, this kid." This kid was like 18, and he was like a freshman in high school, and he was obviously not graduating. Right. And he, you know, I was the redhead. I'm right. the bullseye in the dartboard, and they found me, and he picked on me viciously. Mm-hmm. And I had to keep dodging this guy. And I remember the gym teacher at the time was like, you need to punch him in the throat. The gym teacher <laughs> told me to punch him in the throat. <laughs> Don Tibbetts. I don't know if he Did was, you punch him in the throat? No, I was too afraid. I think that anybody listening to this has to, you know, that's a I good, was afraid. I was really that's afraid. That's a good thing to say, like, hey, anybody, if you're, you know, if you're in a fight, punch the guy in the throat. It's still a point of contention that I didn't swing, and it bothers me sometimes that I didn't, I, you know, like, I think years after high school, because I was actually a good athlete, and I, I would have I done some damage on this cat. Yeah, right. So but you didn't have a soccer you. team, I was pretty in shape. Right. And I still just was afraid to get into fights. I did not like, I got into two fights, maybe, and I didn't, I didn't have a choice. They happened. Right. And I was in them. I got, I got, and I remember leaving it and being like, (gasps) I couldn't control my emotion. (laughs) Right. Like like the shaking of like, I was just in a fight. Right. You know, like tears are welling up and you're like, why am I feeling this way? (laughs) Right, right. And uh, it was such a rush after, but I couldn't, I couldn't control it and I did not want to fight. I've watched people fight. I watched a fight in, uh, when I was directing a show in Amsterdam. This is a horrible story I'm going to tell. Um, I watched somebody walk into a, a club and these guys were in a scuffle. And then the next thing I know, some guy is running out, drops a knife and heads out the door. And I'm like, what the fuck just happened? And I saw the bartender come up or the, the bouncer who I knew come up to this guy, grab a towel and shove a towel in this other guy's oh, eye. No. So this guy... Who's uh, who's who the bar, the bouncer was holding on to? Pulled a knife on the other guy. The other guy grabbed the knife and slit his eye. That one guy's eye broke his collarbone, right? His eye bone, eye collarbone. That's a that's they call that <laughs> the right? orbit. His orbit is right. It's collarbone. It's a it's a it's facial an eye collarbone. Yeah, it's, it's an eye Same thing. Um, and his and broke it, and his eye came out. Right, and the guy went shoved it back in. They got they went to the guy and they said. We're going to take you to the hospital. He goes, no, 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 don't go to the hospital. Don't take me to the hospital. 
took that bandage and he walked and he's like, what the fuck just happened? Crazy. That's but I crazy. Can't, but there are people, if you're having a, if you have a knife, you're gonna, you're gonna Well, you're that was always my fear as a kid because I think my mother had always told me those horrible stories as a kid. He's like, and you would read them and I think they're even more prevalent now where like some kid, some gym teacher told him to punch the kid in the neck, right? Mm-hmm. And so he does it. And he's the big hero. But the key problem is that kid doesn't go away. That kid's in school with you for the next two years. Right. And they always say, you know, you stand up to a bully, he backs down. You know, some of them go home and get a knife. Exactly. And they come back. Some of them don't go, you know what, he beat me up. Right. I'm done. Hey, you know we're what? friends. Hey, Let's we're be friends. Yeah, right? It's not hey. like that. No, 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 That's no, no. That's no, the no. movies no. where right. the guy goes, uh, Right. That's your dad would like You know, that. you stand yeah. up to him. But a lot of guys you stand up to in this world, they go, I'm going to fucking go get exactly. a gun and shoot that guy. I, oh, and I was terrified. Me too, me too. I remember getting into fights and somebody going, I'll see you after school. They're like, fuck, yeah. after school? I want school to last yeah. forever. Well, it's that three o'clock high, right? Where you got the kid. <laughs> that was Chicago, right? Yeah. That was Chicago movie. Yeah, exactly. Right, okay. right. The bodyguard. My bodyguard? Because you just don't win. You never win in a fight. No. It's, the guy never turns around and goes, we're, you know, sometimes it's a scuffle on the on the playing field. Right. Like, I've had friends, like, we got into a scuffle, like, at a soccer game yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're like, ah, we have beers after, whatever. But when it's a guy who's really fighting you and you fight him, if you if you kick him, kick his ass, he's going to come back at you sometimes. Right. And it's like, well, I don't want to get stabbed to death. That's not my thing. No. Nobody's going to go, you know what I want to get? Stabbed, stabbed to death. It's not on, on Stabbing is one of my favorite words. I love the word stabbing. Stab. He was stabbed. I stabbed, stabbed him. Stabbed. It's a good I word. took a stab at it. I took a stab at I it. Or I took a stab at it. Or I stabbed him. I stabbed him is probably a good sentence. And then I stabbed him. <laughs> and then I stabbed him. What's funny is then I went on to, when I bartended, I, I got a, the first job I got, I went into this place in San Diego. I'd never poured drinks, so I went to a microbrewery because mm-hmm. there's no alcohol. All right. I had to do was just a beer. Right? I can pull a tap. Right. I, you know, I took a class. And, tap pulling uh, class. Tap pulling class. And so I said, I'm going uh, to work here. And the woman was like, well, you don't need anybody. And I said, you will. It's a bartending job. Eventually mm-hmm. someone will turn. I'll, I'll come in here every day until you hire me. And it took 28 days. I would just bike by. It was right near my Jesus, house. Jamie, that's by, awesome. And I was like, hey. Right. And it got to the point where she started to laugh. And we had this like rapport. And she'd go, oh, you're late today. <laughs> so finally she goes, uh, she goes, all right, listen, I'm going to fire the bouncer. You can get a bouncer shift and that'll get your foot in the door. She goes, Friday. This is after you're in the Navy. Yeah, this is like uh-huh. three months after I got out. Uh-huh. And so I uh, I went in that Friday. She goes, be here at 7 or whatever. And I showed up at 7. She goes, oh, shit. I forgot about that. I uh, come back in an hour. I got to fire the guy. And so the guy showed up at 7 for a show. I was like, oh, I'll be back in an hour. And she fired the guy. And then I started. My, but I bounced. And I'm not a fighter no. at all. Right. I didn't get into one fight. As a bouncer. Well, because there's also, they walk up to you and they see you and they see this ginger and they're probably not, I, I would imagine that it's like, hey, what's happening? How's it going? Can I see you right But I also, I never was aggressive. Right. I would take the blame and say, whatever happens, it's just never personal. It's right. such a roadhouse, right. Patrick Swayze mentality. But anytime I would throw a guy out, I go, look, man, I'm sorry. This is, this is all my fault. And he'd be like, yeah, it kind of is. <laughs> you know, because you're a drunken idiot. You go, look, man, don't worry about it. It's my fault. And uh, you know what? You come back this weekend. All right, man, see you later. And then go, okay. And then they were outside the bar. And it was over. That was it. Your, your yeah, job yeah, was yeah. done. So I'd never, I never got into one fight. I had to go over the bar a couple times as a bartender when fights were breaking out. You mm-hmm. break them up. But it's easy. to When you're breaking, a, breaking up a fight, you just put the half Nelson and pinch their heads and heads down the half Nelson. Right? Anybody? Anybody? You Can know I get a witness? <laughs> Johnny knows the half Nelson. He's, he's been in a few half Nelsons, I'm going to guess. With that soul patch, you know he's, he's asking. That says, give me a half Nelson. Exactly, Maybe exactly. even a full Nelson. It's only a matter of time. It's, it's just a matter of time. Uh, so, so when you were down there, but, but again, like all these things, 
like you're you're not confronting you're you're go you're 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 going with the flow you're taking it in like being a bartender or following following your life's path for me i look at it and i think i have no i the the thing about apologizing sometimes i'll apologize even if i'm not sorry of course it's like you know it appeases every, it just it it brings attention now and and then what happens is everybody can think because if you're angry, you can't think. And when you got in that fight, you're like, what the fuck just happened to me? And you go, what's going on? Like, exactly. Yeah. You can't fucking think. And that's why when it comes to doing anything creative, like improv you know, improvisation or writing, whatever you're going to be doing, the moment that you shut yourself down, you can't move forward. Absolutely. And you tell yourself that. I, I still get nervous sometimes. You know, you right. walk into an audition or, or even on stage. I've done stage a million times. And sometimes just that day... You know, your body's your vessel and it's not feeling right. You had too much coffee, you didn't have enough sleep, and all of a sudden you're just like <sighs> trying to find it or whatever. Right. And you have to, you try to tell yourself, look, I do my best work when I'm not nervous. Why am I nervous? It's not so irrational to let my body get like this. That's so interesting. You find those calming techniques that the more you're in this business, the better you get at it. I love that. You find your calming techniques. You find the things that slow you down. You have to. That bring you to the present moment at that moment. I mean, Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Because we, we totally get in uncomfortable situations. Right. Everybody. Well, especially in this job because every job's a different job. Right. Nothing's worse than being a guest star on a show. You show up, you have to go to the table read. Nobody wants to laugh at you. They're laughing at all the series regulars. Right. But you better be funny enough, but not too funny. And then, but you have to feel like this is my workplace. I'm here, even though it's so alien to you. It's never so been interesting. Before. And what you just said, nobody fucking ever tells you that. Nobody, when you get yeah. into it, you go, you, you audition yep. and you go, what's this audition? And you go in and then you get a job. You're like, where do I go? Yep. Where do I stand? Where do I stand? Who do where I talk do I, yeah. to? And then somebody walks up and he goes, oh, Jamie. Uh, and you go, yeah. And they're like, here's your, you, we got your honey pot or whatever it's going to be. Sit in your trailer and wait. We'll come exactly. get you. And then you just sit on a couch in there and you're like waiting. And, it's and you like, better be ready because when you do step there, they don't want you to mess up any lines. No. Because you're really not that important. No. Yeah. No, you're not. And I think that nobody tells you that no. when you come in. And it's no. hard to be that free in your performance because you are kind of worried about fitting the tone of that show. Right. Every show's tone is different, whether it's broader or, or really subtle or whatever. And movies are way more subtle than TV. And mm -hmm. so you're, you know, you're trying to find the right tone. Right. And you have to not care and do the best you can and, and hope it goes well. But people get fired. You've been, they do. I've been fired. I've been fired. I've been fired. Yeah. It doesn't feel good. No, no. And yet at the same time, you can't go in thinking I'm going to be fired. No. You go in saying, I need to be as malleable as I can. Yeah. I need to go. I, and, and, and at that moment, you the more awake you are to what the fuck is going on around you, yeah. the more present you are to the tone and looking for the tone and saying, how do I fit in? Because I don't want to make waves. The, the more you do that, the easier everything is going to be. And will you be fired? You might be fired. Don't you think that's one of the most important skills to work in this town, it's it's to read the room Absolutely. and to be malleable and to uh, definitely go with the flow because you know people put so much onus on the craft of it all. But but on that side of the business, it really is. Hey man, stand on that mark, right, and say your line exactly, and then get out of my way because I have to shoot all these pages today, right? And I just don't I don't want you to be a headache. Oh just my say God. your line, then go sit in your trailer. I don't want to see you. And how many times have you been in a place where somebody has not been that guy? Oh. Where it's like, oh, I remember doing a uh, I remember doing a commercial for some cereal that John Landis uh, directed. And John Landis is notoriously like I mean he he uh, 
he killed two people on the yeah, set. I, was, you know what I mean? I just going, watched Vic Morrow the other night. Right, Vic Morrow. And I was like, and he's he killed, gone. Right, he's gone because he because of, of of how John Landis pushed that yeah. that movie, yeah. Twilight Zone, right? And head gone, yeah. and the child two, two too. Yeah, right. So you look at that, and, and this was, of course, after that, and this guy is saying, hey, look at me, I'm standing over here, and I'm using that accent because he was a, an Indian guy, and he goes, look at me, I'm standing over here. I'm like, dude, don't. Don't. And John Lattice gave him a direction, stand, come over here, stand over here, say that line. And the guy fucking couldn't get it. And I'm going, oh, no, 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 no. And you felt John Landis, and then you felt the set, and then you felt everybody start yeah. to build up. And John Landis went, get, sh- you lost your line, get into the back behind that table. And the guy went, okay, fine. And they're like, you, that's it? And I knew it right the fuck away. I knew yeah. it right away. I knew it at the audition. Because this guy went, you know, what time is this going to take? I've got another audition. I'm like, dude, you're not fucking present. Do Do your job. Do your job. Do your fucking job. People do forget it's a job because it is such a fun... uh, And, and, you know, everybody wants to do it. Right. And the problem is if you... I love when people are like, oh, so-and-so was perfect for this part. I couldn't have made made it without him. I'm pretty sure you could have. Yep. Yep. I think there's about 100 of me standing right behind me. Absolutely. And I feel lucky every job I get because we all know... I'll go to an audition where I'll see... All these guys who are my friends right. from I.O. or from Acme or the Groundlings. And right. we all go, hey, hey, Brian, hey, tell right. what's happening. We all stand there and we all just sit there. We go, let's face it, any one of us could do this job. And it would be pretty good. Yep. Be pretty good. I feel like I win the lottery when I, when I, when I get yeah. work. I Don't feel you? like I fucking win the lottery. And that's why it's such a great, and it's like going to camp. Right. Because all of a sudden you're there. But yeah. you, then you go, oh, this is a job. I got to do this job. Yes. Sometimes you forget it. You book the audition and you book the job and you're like, yes! And then you're like, oh, actually, I have to go, I, I have to go work. This is, right. Yeah, yeah. I gotta, but it's what you're saying about it's not just the work, but it's yeah. all those other things that are connected to that. And I think that, for me, it's, it's the anticipation of the work. That's like, I'm going to work. I got a job. And somebody yes. called me up on the phone and said, uh, you're booked. I'm like, you're yeah. booked. Oh, it's such a, that's such a good feeling, right? right Sometimes booked. the first person to call you is the wardrobe. Right. And you don't even know you have the job. And, and some woman will call and go, hey, we need your sizes. And you're like, for, for what? Right. And she's like, oh, this show. You... And I go, I booked that? <laughs> she's like, well, I don't know if you did, but they told us to get sizes for you. <laughs> and then like a day later, some AD will call you and go, hey, your call time. And you're like, so I, so I booked that no job. No one told me. And then the, when you get there, they go, oh, somebody should have called you. Yeah, nobody. We're yeah. the last people to hear anything. No. Oh, yeah, yeah, because we don't, don't matter. No, we don't matter. We don't matter. We're the most replaceable. Uh, the, my agent, would, oh, I was once on a veil for something. My agent called me up and said, um, got a minute? Yeah, you sitting down? Yeah. You're off a veil. I'm like, fuck. Because you got the job. I'm like, you don't do fucker. That. Don't, do, don't that. do that. Don't do that. You're, You're fired. Like, oh. Here's the deal. You're my agent. No more. <laughs> exactly. How about that joke? Exactly. Did you like that joke? Uh, uh, I, I, I'm at Commercials Unlimited, and it was uh, 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 Richie Reiner. Uh, uh, and they're just so fucking nice over there. I just yeah, yeah. love those guys. Mine's great, too. SBV. And they, they're great. But it's funny because, I mean, they used to be, I think it was like two guys on a veil. Right. I'm talking like the old guys. Like, you know, 10 years ago, they put two, now they put 15 guys on a well, bill. Well, you've been out here for a while, so you remember yeah, those 94. times. Yeah, I yeah. mean, I, for me, it's 95. Yeah. And I remember booking the, the year I came here, I booked seven spots, seven national spots in one year. Like, you what? made so much money that year. I made so much fucking money yeah. that year. And it's like, then you start going, okay, uh, like in 95, I was 36. If I do this until I'm, say, 66, I'll and I get seven, commercial, seven national commercials a, a year, it's like, ah, Fucking good! I'm buying an island, and uh, no. And yeah, good years away. and bad years. That's the other yeah. thing about this business. You have to. 
you know, I, I had shot my boys for four years or whatever. Yeah, and that's was, a great, what a great, great show. And it was the first time we, we talked about being a guest star, but all of a sudden you go, you're there for a week and that Friday, instead of saying your goodbyes to everybody, right. you're like, I'm coming back Monday. You can see Bunin again. Yeah, yeah, you know exactly. what I mean? Exactly. And, and all, Betsy, right? We're all really good friends. Exactly. Right? And though, but another thing about those guys is they're fucking guys. Yeah. You know what I mean? And they really, there's a love that those guys have where you go, I want to come back. No one, you know, at least Bunin, you know, he's not a, he's not a douchebag. He's a really no, nice, good nice man. Kyle and Jordana, they were all great. Exactly. Yeah. But it was a time you could, you know, we talked about <clears throat> just trying to fit the tone of the show, whatever. Right. That was the first time where everybody was like, we were comfortable in what we were doing, and you could all of a sudden you started to see, oh, actually, this is what I'm capable of. Right. Because you can really push your limits. Because as a series regular, all of a sudden you're like, hey, I have an idea for this. Can we? And people are receptive, and it's almost like this uh, cooperative uh, business between the the writers start writing specifically for you, you're kind of performing specifically for these people. Everyone's a team. Right. As opposed to you're just. You know, just come in, here's your badge, Mr. Player, Reynolds. Yeah. Right. And all of a sudden, it starts to get really creative. And that's where you go, oh. Like, we would, everyone would get to work early. Right. Stay late. Right. Nobody would leave. We'd all hang out after. Right. And you'd be like, this is so great. Oh, my God. And, and it happens so seldom in our profession. And and while while it is happening, you've got to go, this is happening, this man. Is happening. It might never get never. to be it like this. It might never get this again. No. And so, and whenever, but I also feel that way on a little commercial. Where yeah. you're going, you know what? I got this job. I have to be grateful for that which I have. Yeah. Um, and even if you get an audition, you got to be grateful for the fucking audition. You, I, I've talked to friends so many times, and I think the real skill in this town is auditioning and learning to love auditioning. Yes. Because how many people do we know who are brilliant actors who cannot get arrested because they, they can't walk into a room and show what they can do within that confine? Right. And that's the skill because how many, you know, you, you might get fired once in a blue moon, but once you get the job, you have the job. And it's because you crushed in the audition. That's yes. the skill here. Is if you're a great auditioner, you can walk in and own the room and make these people want to work with you. Right. Then you're going to work. Right. And it's reading the fucking room. It's reading the room. It's knowing the day when you're not supposed to open your mouth. Right. Just sit quietly and say your lines. And it's the day when they go, hey, what's going on? Exactly. And you go, here's what's happening in my life today. <laughs> I have a friend of mine, yeah. uh, my friend uh, Richard Label, who I have to say, mention his name in every uh, episode. Um, Richard does MC work, but he, uh, hosting of corporations. And so he... I've done that. Right, right. Yeah. But, uh, uh, at, where, where, where you go out and you go fishing for work. You know what I mean? Like, oh, you sure. work in terms of like, yeah, he'll yeah. say, what do you want? You're interested. I got this, 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 and this. Oh, and you're okay, reading, nice. you're reading the, you're reading the email going... I think I know what they want. You're, you're reading on a microscopic level. Right. What is it that they're asking for? And opening yourself up. And he's, he's very successful at that because he is able to read a room. And he's also able to, at the moment that something happens within that gig, so he'll be doing like a million dollars. Not he won't be making a million dollars, but it'll be a multi-million dollar week in Vegas that right. he is in charge of hosting. It. And he is there. And he is present to every single person's movement and look. And you get to be in that moment of saying, this is the moment, and what does this person need right the fuck now? Right the fuck now. Yeah. Because it's not and, about you. And to, con- yeah, no, no, and to continue the story. You know, it, I think improv skills, especially, you know, when I, I watched, when we performed, yeah. it was so great. I actually caught myself kind of watching uh-huh. because it's not just about having a witty line, but it's advancing the story. And I think conversationally, when you're talking to someone, the trick is, 
as a host to get them to open up. Right. So the more you can move the story along, that guy wants to add to it and go, yes. Right. It's knowing, it's like Charlie Rose is such a great interviewer right. because he raises a great point and the guy goes, yes. Yeah, right. no, I want to talk about and that. And you know, because you, you do a radio show, right? You do a radio show. Yeah, and so you've watched somebody have that look in their eyes where you're talking to them and they suddenly go, you know, yes. and their eyes widen yeah. up and they, they take that, they in breath, like, that's a phrase. And great hosts. Yeah. You know, people give Ryan Seacrest grief. He's an amazing host. Yeah, he is. And you to see appreciate him like that. bring people out of other, uh, you know, it's not tough to bring someone out of their shell, but to, to actually encapsulate what they're trying to say. I thought Bob Costas, when he had his talk show, it's great. that was a fucking great it's talk great. show. And, and it was, you know, I know that it wasn't, he... I don't know that he felt that it was in his wheelhouse, but it was clearly in his fucking wheelhouse. And when I watch him doing sports things, I'm like, yeah, he could do that. You know what? I love that show. Yeah. He did three days with Ellie Wiesel. He did two days with uh, two or three days with Paul McCartney. And it was just a half an hour of him talking at a desk, no audience. That's it. And his clips were great. And you learned something about the person that you were talking to. That's a great interview. Like, I love Charlie Rose's interviews. Yeah. Yeah, Oprah. Oprah's great. I mean, we see, until you actually do it, like, I ended up hosting some stuff. When I was on My Boys, they asked... They asked me to uh, host the red carpet for the SAG Awards. Mm-hmm. I'd never hosted it. Wow! So I, I had a microphone. That. I was mm-hmm. interviewing like Jamie Foxx and mm-hmm. Will Smith and Ricky Gervais, and it was crazy because I was like, I don't know what I'm, I was. I watch it now, and I'm like, oh, I'm terrible because I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> They're like, Have you ever done this before? I was like, No, I'm on a sitcom on their network, and they go, You're gonna be Will Smith. Like, you're gonna be fine. It's gonna be. Oh, you. that's and really like, nice. I don't know what's happening here? Right, right. But it right. ended up. I started to loosen up and and find. And someone's in my ear. I had one of the earpieces, and, yeah. and one of the producers was all they kept saying was, "Ask them what they're wearing." Right. And I go, "Nobody cares what Will Smith's wearing. I'm not asking him that." And so I ended up hosting this thing, but I was terrified of it uh-huh. at first. And all of a sudden, you start to realize Jeff Probst. All these people are amazing talents. Right. People don't get enough credit for it. They make it look too easy. Well, I think what also happens is that's part of the job is they have to make it look, make easy. It look easy. And um, you going into this thing where you didn't... You, uh, not, well, the great thing about that was also you saying, uh, I've never done this before. I'm going to do it. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was really looking forward to it. It was fun. Right. I was, I, was ner- I was a little nervous. You were more than a little nervous. Because here's the other thing. You're also lined up with a ton of other, you know, all the people from E! And oh, all the people right. from uh, Entertainment Tonight. And I had my one little podium. And I was with Dave Cargo, who's amazing. He, yeah. Uh, he's more of a host. And he writes for Entertainment Weekly and mm-hmm. stuff. And so he and I were kind of co-hosted. And so luckily, he was the main... St- I was color commentary. I was like, I don't know what I'm doing here. <laughs> Look at me. I'm in a red carpet. Like, it was crazy. <laughs> it was just so nerve-wracking. And the right. whole day, I was like, what is How happening? great it is when you're done with that also to it go, oh, great. Oh. I went straight to the bar. I was of like, course. You know, that oh, yeah. post-show, like, oh, I'd go straight back to the bar. Yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> go to the bar before. Then no, you don't want to have it. But much, that is the much. one thing about this business is there's so many, as a, just a performer... You can do so many different things. Right. I just did a corporate gig that was the... Cri- I, I do stand-up, and I don't really do much anymore unless it's, uh, you know, you make some money at it. You're right. Going out. And so I do... I played some guy's 50th birthday party in Hermosa Beach. Mm-hmm. In his living room, they go, hey, hold on a second. We're going to put the kids to bed. They put the three kids up the stairs. I, the, I was at the bottom of the stairs in this guy's living room doing my act. The three kids are screaming upstairs, and two guys heckled me at this guy's birthday party. <laughs> like, the whole party, you know? I was like... But in the back of my head, I'm like, I'm making pretty good money today. And I don't give a shit. And so all I did, I, I tried to do some of my act, and these two guys who... 
fucked with me so hard. I was like, fine, I'll destroy you for the next 30 minutes. Right. So the whole- How many people were in the- in 40 that, people. 40 people. Piled into this guy's really nice living. They were, right. everyone turned out to be really nice. And at the end they were like, that was great. We love the show. But it was basically me destroying this guy. Right. And then I found out later, I felt he, uh, I guess he's a really good swimmer, and he was one of the guys, he was ranked like one or two in the world swimming the year we boycotted the Russian Olympics. Oh! Don't you ever wonder where those guys no, are? No, no, I do. I wonder a lot about that. All the time when I see that on the news, and he was one of the world-class swimmers, and they, they brought me to the side, and they go, he's a little angry. He's still angry from 1980, because he was like one of the best swimmers in the world. Oh, my God. And they were like, his no. life might have been much different. And so, so he's going to heckle a guy in someone's living room because he didn't make the 80 Olympics? That's so uncool, dude. 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 And they were still telling me his swimming times. So like, you know, I don't even know what the race is at, but they were like, you know, he can still do 50 yards in under like eight seconds. I was like, okay, whatever, man. There's so many situations where, where you look at it and you say, okay, if things were only different. Like, I was thinking, a friend of mine has a, um, her mom, my friend Rachel Hamilton's mom has an, uh, uh, just hanging on the wall, and you wouldn't even notice it. It's like like that picture over there. You and not even that blatant. Uh, hanging on the wall is an invitation to a dinner with John um, and Jacqueline Kennedy on November twenty second, nineteen sixty three, oh, no. at the hotel. Right. And she has that invitation, and you go, all right. They had to cancel the dinner. They canceled that dinner. They had to cancel the dinner. And somebody's going, oh, I'm going to this dinner. I'm going to make a bunch of money. It's like, and then they canceled the dinner. <laughs> you know, like those kind of people that just, the people that were in, like maybe the one understudy in uh, My American Cousin, the, the, or The American Cousin, right. the, Lincoln move, the Lincoln play. And he was going to go on in the third act, and the fucking president was shot in the second act. Like, Fuck, man! It's like, sorry, Josiah, you can't get a break, man. His agents are going. We're really sorry about that. I have one kind of uh, in that vein. Not like you know, Seth MacFarlane apparently missed the flight and uh -huh. crashed into the World Trade Center. Oh, he did. He was running late, and he watched it from the Whoa. bar in Logan. Whoa. He was supposed to be. He has a ticket on the plane. Uh -huh. I would, that would be framed over my house. But uh, I had booked. I was Crash Bandicoot. Do you remember those commercials? The video game commercials? Yes, right? yes, 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 and yes. And I was in the giant Crash Bandicoot suit. You could see my face or whatever. And so oh. I booked this campaign and we shot like one commercial. But they were like, this thing's going huge. We're going to send yeah. you around the world. We have 10 sites. You're going to go all this money. I was going to go to Japan to do these corporate shows, like 10 different shows, huge campaign. <sighs> and then the World Trade Center happened. And I felt like a dick because... I lost, the job went away. They just said, look, we're not doing it anymore. Right. We're not traveling anymore. And, right. I, and, and of course, people lost their lives, but in your brain, you're like, but I was gonna make a lot of money. <laughs> right, <laughs> right, 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 right. But anyway, you're in this business long enough and that's gonna, not the World that, Trade Center thing. That, that, I haven't thought about that in years, but that time, it was so monumental because I was living in an apartment, I was trying to make money. Right, and It was like right. horrible. But now you look back and you're like. It doesn't yeah. matter. Nothing matters. Nothing matters, None Jamie. It. Nothing matters. None of it whatever matters. it is that people right now are concerned about, yeah. you go, it's not going to matter. Nothing. I, I, My wife we, does that. And I'm always like, hey, someone just died of cancer today. Right. You're having a good day. Just right. remember that. But it's also, right, this little thing that's happening to you right now. Things. And if you want to think it's a big thing, you know, it's a big thing. And when you're the person having cancer, I would also imagine that you go, okay, all that I got to do is keep my blood count up today and that's it. And I feel grateful for fucking that. Every day. Every day. Yeah. And, and I don't I think that happens as we get older. Like you read the news and you go, 
Ugh, someone's having a bad day today. Right, right. I you think know, you about seeing an ambulance block traffic and you'd be like, God damn it, I'm going to be a little late instead of going, oh, thank God I'm not in that ambulance. Or, or and or, both, doesn't matter, pick one. Um, my friend uh, Jen Winters, will, when she sees an ambulance, she'll, in her mind, she'll go, bless those people. Yeah. Because right now somebody is helping Somebody's them. Ha- yeah. Somebody oh, is helping yeah, them in the that moment. Me, yeah, so yeah. when you see that ambulance going by, Jen will say that she, she gives them a blessing. And I'm like, I, man, that's awesome. It definitely because comes that with age. Brings it, what's that? It definitely comes with age. It really does. You just you start to appreciate it more. Where When you're a kid, you're like, you think you're immortal. You're just right. like, I'm a Highlander. I'm never going to die. Right. And then, you, you know, everyone, once you lose a friend or two, then you're like, oh, this is really fragile. Absolutely. And, about that. and then it makes you grateful for the moments that you have, yeah. the jobs that you get, the jobs that you don't get. You yeah. know, the fact, I was married for 14 years. And um, oh, that's a long time. That's a long time. And uh, then I got divorced. And now I'm here talking to you. Yeah. Because this would not happen had that not happened. Right. You know, and, and there's uh, somewhere in Silver Lake, there's a very upset woman at me. Still. <laughs> she's still mad? She's still mad. I have some women who are mad at me. Yeah, yeah. Not my she's wife. Very... She's still happy with me. But right. Uh, the, girl, the girl I dated right before my wife, I, I don't think she's that happy with me. <laughs> when I told her, I'm not really looking to get married. And then all of a sudden, like a year later, I was engaged. Right. I'm sure she saw my Facebook and was like, what the fuck? <laughs> you, you lying sack of... But it was just, I wasn't... You know, we but you were at to get that married. moment, right? Yeah. Exactly, and, and the compulsion to go. I'm compelled to do that. I'm not compelled to do that. Yeah. And I think that a lot of us. Uh, What's well, your? It's your decision not to become a lawyer. It's like I didn't become mm-hmm. a lawyer. You did not marry the right. the lawyer job. Right. You know, you decided to do something else. And and in your doing something else, you become at peace with that because like there's no fucking choice. There's Told no choice. I know. Well, that's funny. And now, yeah, it's, yeah, I have friends who are in terrible relationships, and you're like, you know, you can leave. Right. <laughs> you know, you, right. You don't have to do this for the rest of your life. Right. You Why get one that? swing. And that you, I love when people just go, um, you know, this, I'm doing this. And you go, why? Who gives a shit, man? I think that very well, often. Well, I'm locked go- into this. I need the money. Stop spending money. Get a, get a little apartment on the beach and go, fuck it. I don't. Yep. Like my when I was a single guy living in town, I really could choose what I wanted to do because I never spent money. Mm-hmm. I lived in a little rent-controlled apartment. I owned my car, and I was like, you know, now that I own a mortgage and a family, you're like, you start to take a few more jobs that you might not have back in the day, but you're like, right. fuck it. But yeah, it's like Stabbing people somebody. go, I need to spend more. Hey, right. I need to make more. You're like, hey, spend less. That's the easier solution. I also think that if you don't like what it is that you're doing, no amount of money is going to fucking make you happy with it. And I think that not a lot of people realize that. Yeah. Uh, you know, I bartended for years when I first moved here. And honestly, it was the greatest time of my life. I had such a great time. And yeah. I didn't mind bartending. I loved no. it. I, I, lo- I don't mind having a job. Like you I, wouldn't want to go back to that. At this age, it might be a little tough. But I right. wouldn't mind going to a job. I wouldn't. I get that, too. The Some idea, days like when you're like... Where's that job? I wouldn't mind it. I saw no. they, they showed a thing on Google. They said Google's like the best place in, in the world to work. And I was like, oh, I'd love to work for Google. <laughs> they got a cafeteria there. Like, <laughs> they, got nap, they got nap chairs. I don't know where, I'm well, I also look at, I, when, I'm, when I'm thinking, like, where's my, like, I didn't get that job or whatever the hell it's going to be. I'm looking at people thinking, could I be a bagger? Could I bag groceries? Would I be able to be a valet? Could I work at a restaurant? All those things. I could if I didn't know the people. I couldn't do it in L.A. But if, if I was anonymous. That's exactly what I think, too. Because it got to the point when I was bartending, people would come in and go like, uh, Dude. 
they go to order. Like one time the TV was on over my head and oh, no. I had done a Friends episode. Uh-huh. And so the guy comes in to order. He goes, hey, hey, you're on Friends. <laughs> and so I had this pause and I looked up. I was like, oh, yeah. And he goes, oh, that's great, man. Hey, can I get a Heineken right. too? <laughs> Cognac? And I was like, oh, back to reality. Right. But if right. until he had said that, I was like, yeah, pouring drinks. Everything was fine until yeah. you realize Thanks for- other people put expectations on you. But as soon as you can let those go... I- I don't mind but it's all about the expectations, really. Yeah, it's yeah. all about other people's expectations, and, and I've talked about this many times, the idea that your expectations have nothing to do with my fucking life. No. No. And the happiest people I know are sometimes... Actually, the, the richest people I know are the least happy people. There's such a monthly nut, and all of a sudden you get to... Especially in L.A., you get to this point where you have the gardener and the chef, and right. they're like... My gardener, my chef. Yeah. Like, all those get people... Get rid of those of- people, <laughs> and you... Exactly. I saw Warren Buffett on an interview the other day, and he was driving himself in his own little old five-year-old car. Right. He's a billionaire. He still has that little shitty house wherever yeah. it was that he fucking lived. Maybe three-bedroom house, house too bad. I love this right. house. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Shit. He doesn't care. With cl- like clothes, especially. I'm like this. My wife's like, you need to get some new clothes. Why? These cover me. Right. They're warm. I don't. For what? No. Well, there, but there does come a point where it's like the zipper doesn't work, and then you got these weird stains yeah, on it. But I wear like the same uniform for auditions where right. I have a flannel shirt or a t-shirt or a suit. Well, Those this is doing right now. Those are my three swings. <laughs> I get it. This is my t-shirt and jeans. And right. These, you can tell these jeans are like 10 years old because they have that like baggy 90s James Vanderbeek look. <laughs> right? Right. Where you're like, these are not the cool guy skinny but, jeans that crush my nuts that everyone's got to wear now. I like, these are my baggy. But you have nothing, but you, there's nothing. I don't care. That, you don't have that need anymore to be, to, you don't have that, that need anymore to be that guy. As if you ever did. I never did. Nah, right. Like the only time I ever bought clothes was when girlfriends or my wife was like, you need to, listen. Yeah. She'd buy stuff. Here's what Christmas goes. She buys me J. Crew stuff. And then she takes it back, exchanges it for her own. She buys herself clothes. So she basically, for Christmas, she got herself clothes for me. She got herself, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And, and so you, you have a house? You have a child? No child yet. Uh-huh. Soon. Um, I have a wife and a house in the valley. Right. Yeah. And? And I love it. Right. I, lo- I love the valley. I got to tell you, I, that one video that you put together about being on the road, uh, that's fucking great, Thanks, man. man. That was really I really kind of thought that would catch fire because when I put it on, I was like, this is exactly my life uh, for those who've, who should check it out. Yeah. I think it's a YouTube clip. and it's, it, That's uh, what I saw. It says life on the road and it's me. I did one gig in Ohio. I went in for the night. Uh-huh. I left at five o'clock in the morning, drove to the airport, connected in Chicago out of LAX, went to... I forget where it is, uh, somewhere, Kentucky or something, landed, they picked me up, drove in a car for two hours, right to the stage, opened the door basically, I walked out, I walked. I ate, they gave me some food backstage, I, I walked on stage, I did 20 minutes, 30 minutes, and then I went, see you later, got off the stage, got you, in the car. But you were, but you were, you were filming the I filmed the whole day. Right. And then I took a little clip and the whole thing's like four right. minutes long, it's right. basically. So people go, oh, that must have been a fun show you did. I traveled 24 hours for those 20 minutes. Right. So that's what we always say. They don't pay us for the show. They pay us for the travel. Right. And, and what I also love about that is the music. I don't know who did that, that song. It's a John Waite song. It's a great it's song. It's from Vision Quest. Do you remember the movie Vision no, Quest? No, Oh, Vision Quest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, the one yeah. he starts to jump rope. Right, right. But it really, it really solidifies, it really encapsulates, rather, oh, what it is that we do. And like the idea that like, it, it, it's not necessarily about the money. You know, no. it's just about living your life at that moment, living, being in your life, yeah. and being present to that. You know, we've been, I've traveled a lot too, and I, I love traveling, but it gets to a point where you're like, I can't. 
Especially if you have, if you have a wife. Job. Yeah, once, they, once I got married, I stopped kind of hitting the road that much. Right. Really. But before that, <coughs> my 30s, Excuse I was me. on the road a ton. And, and what I would do is I would extend my trips. Like I would stay in a town for, you know, a couple extra days after. Right. And, and check out the town. So I got, you know, I, I well, do love of... seeing the country and talking to people. Right. Right. And that's a great thing about what it is that we do. And yeah. especially when you do, you do the blue collar. What is it called? Uh, uh, blue collar, the next generation. They tried to kind of uh, reboot the blue collar franchise, which is funny because I'm, I'm not a blue collar. I'm, right. I'm with the blue collar management company and they're, that's their franchise. But what's funny is even those guys, I feel like blue collar is more my dad. My dad was a working stiff from mm-hmm. Massachusetts and I think those guys are more redneck, but I'm probably more white collar. I mean, I'm college grad and so to, to say were, blue collar like hey my you know but you were also i mean i think what fucked that whole I'm thing an, up i'm too a normal is, guy but you're also a lieutenant in the fucking navy yeah you know i mean you know no that's, there's no blue collar in that at all really no it's a, it's a shoulder boards and an epaulets <laughs> collar on the collar <laughs> shoulder boards and an epaulets collar yeah yeah, I, yeah that's I'm right, start that's that tour coming out soon <laughs> exactly <laughs> i've opened for those guys on the road they're the nicest guys that's what i was saying i was thinking like shows so much fun right and th- those guys are just like th- like just being together and hanging out together and laughing together and once you get to a point and it's just in a point within you of saying we are not in competition with each other that's the i think that's the hardest thing for people to do in this town because we've all had really close friends who've hit it major right Movie star friends. Yes. Who started in theater companies with us. Yes. And gone like, that guy's a movie star now. Yes. And they're still like, hey, you know, some of them, some of them disappear yes. from your life. Yes. And, but the problem is it's just they have different lives at that point. And, yes. And we've also had other friends who probably look at us and go, oh, my God, they made it. He's yes. got a house in the valley and a wife. And, right. And, you know, it's like, you know. And the worst and, thing that you could do is look at somebody and compare yourself to that person. Especially in this. It's, it's an art. It's an art form. So Absolutely. why would you compare? But it, it's hard not to. It's hard well, not I to. also believe that no matter what it is that you do, you get, you, no matter what it is that you do, you could look at somebody and say, they have it better, they have it worse, why don't I, why don't yeah. I, whatever it is, you know, baggers at pavilions, they're probably going, what the fuck, how come, it's like, nobody, it, you can't compare yourself to somebody. No. And it's, you have to learn to not compare yourself auditioning. Because, like now, I really, I really like auditions because I end up seeing a bunch of my friends and right. we shoot the shit. Right. But you, if you walk into a room and you go, oh, he's perfect for this part, I'm not, you're dead. You you're have dead. to go, I'm, I'm going to do exactly what I do. Right. Like some of my best auditions, I've never, they probably came off horribly and I didn't work, but I walked out going, I made a choice and I did it. Right. The way I wanted to. And, and all, for me, I look at that, exactly what you said right there and saying, I did, and this is true all the time, I did the best job that I could do yeah. because there was no choice. Even if I flubbed a word, right. I still did the best job that I could yeah. do. I flubbed a word. Yeah. I, I couldn't do any better. I've booked jobs where I flubbed words because right. I specifically was just was myself and was like, that, let's bring it back two lines and just go. And right. they're like, what? And you go, just pick it up from there and, and you played it like like you would on the set. Exactly. And it actually behooves you as opposed to like getting totally flustered that you just blew a line and wrecking the rest of the scene. Have you ever done a soap opera? I have not. I did. I was uh, recurring on The Young and the Restless. Oh, I gotta see that. Oh my God. It was just like years ago I played a lawyer. That's of how course. good you are because sometimes I can't book those because I come off smarmy and funny. Well, the thing is, you're also, like, they're, if they're gonna hire a bartender, they're gonna hire you. 
if they're going to hire a lawyer, they're going to hire a Jew. <laughs> That's, That's true. it. That you know, true. they're going to hire a Jew. What was and it like I played working more, on it? It was well. First off, they said this is the and it's it's that sort of thing that we were talking about earlier, where it's, you wish somebody would go. Listen, you're going to get on the set, and this is what's going to happen because then you have that idea. Nobody fucking does that. What you hear is people go, "You better get your lines down." Because they rushed through that fucking thing, and you better know what's happening. And I went, <gasps> and I walk in, and a guy comes up to me, and he says, um, how you doing? Um, I'm in the scene with you. Let's get together and just talk for a minute. You're going, oh, okay, right, okay, good. And then you sit and you chat, and then you get on set, and the guy that you're with, um, he fucks up. And he does this. He goes, I'm going to do that again, Bob. And they go, okay, Steve, we're going to do it again. And then suddenly you go, ah. ah. And then you breathe. Yeah. And how was it? It was great. Yeah. He pleaded not guilty. I'm like, fuck. No, he pleaded guilty. I'm like, God damn it. I could have carried that court case <laughs> on for a long fucking time. You know? We th you think like that sometimes, too, when you're the guest star, where you're like, I could, uh, man, this character might come back. Exactly. And then exactly. at the end, they're like, yeah, Kara's <laughs> no, You know, I have gone back a ton of times. Like a year later, I did Parenthood, and, and I thought my character was done. And then like a year later, they go, no, we have a little scene for you. Come on back. Oh, I love it. But it's also, I did uh, uh, Working, which was uh, Fred Savage's show. Yes. I did, did you do that show? No, no, I know oh, the show, though. Oh, what a fucking good man. Like, he, he directed an episode of My Boys. He is, he's a huge director now. He's huge. And he was the, it was great with him as a director because he knows acting. Right. And so he had such great you know, directions And he's you. also chill, man. He's and so people chill. like to work with people yeah. that are chill. That's the thing. And I think that if you, uh, you got to ask yourself the question, because somebody said to Ricky Gervais, what was the character in, in Office? I'm, uh, oh, uh, uh, Michael. Brandt? Man, whatever. Is it people are right now. People Michael? are going, shouting at their their their, their guy, speakers. Ah! Um, but he said, if you think that you're not that guy, you're probably that guy. You know what I mean? <laughs> if right. you think that you're not the guy that's causing problems, you're very possibly the guy that's causing problems. That's funny. Because I I got to tell you, every set that I've been on where there's this fucking mayhem, nobody wants to talk. Where there's craziness, nobody wants to talk. Nobody wants to have an idea. And and when you said job, I thought, do I have a job, or do I work? Because I don't look at it, I, I, I see a booking as working, I don't see it as a job. That's a great way to look at it. I, I agree with that, yeah, yeah, I don't, I never think of it as a job. Although I, I because now my wife has a full-time job, I've had to justify it by saying that this is my job. Right. But before I was married now, I was like, I just, I went and did gigs. Right. I went and had fun. And right. Oh, yeah, actually, I'm working this week. Working right. this week. And next week, I'm not. I right. I play golf that week or something. But <sighs> now that my wife has a full-time job, she goes, how come you're so lucky that you get to do that for a living? And I go, I chose well. I chose very well. <laughs> yeah, you well. chose. As if you had a fucking choice. Right, because you get to a point where you're like, there's nothing else I can do. No, on earth. I, no. This better work for me. I'm in trouble. Right. There's yeah. nothing else that I can do. But I also know people go, there's nothing else that I can do. And I think, really? I think there is something But you ever work on a set where people take it so seriously and you're like, dude, A, you're not curing cancer. And right. B, you're barely making comedy. This is... Oh on the God. lower echelon of what we consider to be a brilliant show, and and yeah, people are taking it so seriously, yep. and you're like, and I'm not going to name names, but you're no. like, hey, get your shit together. Right. This is, relax, man. We're all going to make it. It's going to work out today. Exactly. This roll camera. Exactly. And this is going to be as mediocre as, as it always is. I watched a show yesterday that's an immensely popular show, and I looked at it and I was like, I was thinking, I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get the appeal. They're not for us, though. Those shows. Not. I, Those I, clear, I agree. Right. Like, they're and, not. And I've, I've worked on shows that were not that popular. That were amazing. We were like, this is really great. Right. 
but it's not, we're such a small niche. Like, 30 Rock doesn't get great ratings, but it's a brilliant show. Right. You almost have to back it up sometimes to hear the jokes where you're like, oh, that's such a good show. Oh, there are a couple lines on that show that I look at and I think, what, is, what the fuck did you think about yeah. that? There's some lines that are on that, I just can't believe it. People you, don't get because you have to know history or something. You're like, oh, that's a reference from the War of 1812. Or you've got to let somebody, like, be crazy. You know, there's just some, there's some yeah. non-sequitur shit that, that Liz Lemon has said where I go, who the fuck is thinking about that? It's then so I good. remember... Who's writing on that show? It's a brilliant. She's a brilliant and, writer. Uh, she's a brilliant writer, and Kay Cannon was on that yeah. show. And Kay is a, a, a Second City alumni and uh, was married to Jason Sudeikis for a while. And, and Jason's a fucking great writer, he, although he wasn't writing on that show. But, you know, all these people that I look at and I go, we're all going to make it, man. We're all going to make it in the way that we're going to make it. That's right. And, you know, some those people are unbelievably talented, and, and the ratings aren't that high. And then you'll see another show where you're like, the ratings are through the roof. My wife has such a great analogy. She so she goes, you know, some people sometimes people don't want to watch shows they have to pay attention to. They want to watch shows that they can do their laundry while they're watching it. And I was like, that makes a lot. You know, you come home with the four kids and you're trying to just get stuff done and pack right. lunches. You want something that's easy. Right. And that's great. That's that's a different thing, but it's, it's not great. For me. And then yeah, it's just not what I it's not the way I watch television. I'm no. I'm invested when I watch it. I have to sit down and go I'm going to watch yeah. television. People right want in the background, they want to hear a joke or two and be with characters that they're comfortable with, that they feel at home with. Right. And, and they don't have to and think too much. And a lot of those much. shows are huge ratings. Yeah. Right. And like all those shows like Empty Nest and uh, all, like I never watched those fucking shows growing up. No, I don't know no, what those I are about. Those, I, I don't even, I, I don't know. Charles in Charge? I have no idea what that show is. <laughs> I did about. watch it once or twice. They had a couple of hot chicks on it. But, uh, <laughs> well, that's a different, but you got to watch that. Yeah, you got to watch that. You know, and you can do it with the sound. I'm thing. just not a, I, and that's why when I go out for pilot season, I'm always like, people go, how'd you like the script? I go, my opinion means nothing. It does not fucking matter. It doesn't mean anything. No. And, and, and the moment that you start judging the material, you are knocking yourself down because yeah. you're not going to work. Just go in and make it the best you can, and hopefully you fit in. That was the other thing with my boys. It was like, as soon as I did get it and we started shooting, I was like, oh, man, this is the perfect part for me. Like, casting people really know what they're doing. Because a lot of times you go to an audition, you're like, I can play this. Who cast that? Uh, it was, uh, you're putting me on the spot. I'm sorry. And we, she cast me a Will and Grace, and a, Tracy Lillianfield. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And she had cast it. And she'd cast like five or six different shows I'd been on, and she was half my resume at the time. And she Were was there a lot of Chicago people on that show? Tons. Uh, yeah. Betsy's Chicago. I know, that's they're what I'm all saying. Northwestern. The whole writing staff was Chicago. But there's then, so much about that Chicago thing yeah. that I think that, that Chicago people, and I, uh, Chicago, we hang together, man. We hang together. They totally do. It's the it's the Northwestern Mafia. Yeah, exactly. In town here. Yeah, it was a great group. And honestly, they were amazingly talented and really fun. I love those people. Stuff, but yeah. Okay, let's end there. That's how I think we end. I think Thank you so ma- much, I man. think it was magic. Really fun. It was really, really Thank fun. You. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I appreciate oh, it. I'm so glad that you're here. Thank you for listening to the ADD Comedy Podcast. For Dave Rozowski, I'm Ian Foley. For more information on ADD Comedy, you can visit our website at www.theaddcomedytour.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at ADD Comedy Pod. If you're in the Los Angeles area and you're interested in taking a class with Dave, you can find that information at his website at www.davidrozowski.com. Sound services for the ADD Comedy Podcast was brought to you by Post Apocalyptic.